Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Malo and welcome to the World in Sport. I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week... You know, we had our suspicions during the bidding process that that was the case, but we didn't actually officially find out from New Zealand Rugby Players Association or Moana Pacifica or New Zealand Rugby until after that decision was made, which was a couple of weeks ago. They were looking at putting um, Moana Pacifica forward as the preferred partner. Kanaloa Pacifica threatens legal action against New Zealand Rugby. Rugby World Cup qualifications on the line for the Samoa and Tonga women's teams. And the AFL International Cup is the latest sporting casualty of COVID-19. But first, Kanaloa Pacifica has served New Zealand rugby with legal notice, giving it 14 days to withdraw and retract its decision to support a rival Pacific Island Super Rugby bid. The Auckland-based Moana Pacifica bid and a Fiji-led delegation have been chosen to join the New Look competition in 2022, alongside the existing five teams from New Zealand and five from Australia. But Kanaloa Pacifica Rugby Chief Executive Tracy Artinger says NZR breached its own rules by appointing Moana Pacifica as a primary partner when the group did not take part in the formal tender process. Obviously we went through a, a formal bidding tender process and you know every party that was involved in that process was pretty clear that you know, we'd go through the process and a, and a successful bidder would be um, selected and to find out that um, New Zealand Rugby has obviously pulled um, you know, Kanaloa Pacifica through and also Moana Pacifica through, and then um, to be to be told that Moana Pacifica have been successful, uh, and then also to find out that they actually didn't bid at all in the process. That's that's I think where the frustration did come in. You know, we had our our suspicions during the um, during the bidding process that that was the case, uh, but we didn't actually officially find out um, from New Zealand Rugby Players Association or Moana Pacifica or New Zealand Rugby until after that decision was made, which was a couple of weeks ago, that they were looking at putting um, Moana Pacifica forward as the preferred partner. So, yeah, very frustrating. Obviously, you know, we've done everything the right way, and um, we asked for a fair and transparent process, and, you know, we were really open, and we were, um, you, know, and co- you know, hoping to collaborate with groups like, um, you know, um, the other, you know, there was Pacific Allegiance that came from Samoa, and there was a group from Fiji, and obviously Drua as well. Um, and we were all supposed to come together after the preferred partner was selected. That, that hasn't happened. So, yeah, we're, we're concerned. We're concerned about the effects involved in, um, you know, New Zealand Rugby's, um, you know, decision to go with a group that they formed, um, that they helped form with New Zealand Rugby Players Association, who, as you know, are set up to take care of the best interests of New Zealand rugby players and teams, like the Blues and the Chiefs. So, yeah, a little bit frustrating and a little bit worrying now. So when... Brent MP announced a month or just over a month ago that for 2021 it was just the same five teams in Super Rugby Aotearoa and then any additional teams would be from 2022. There was obviously frustration in the uh, rugby community and the Pacifica uh, community that, you know, it seemed once again um, the region or had been sort of, you know, pushed aside. And, and then Kanaloa was one of the bids to be progressed to that next stage of consultation, that, that, that process. Uh, at, at that point, what was your understanding of who was in the running? 
yeah, so in, in our understanding, we were the only group that was in the running as far as the December bid goes, and that was pretty clear. And we've always been really clear with New Zealand Rugby that this is a process, it's a formal process, and you need to stick to the rules that you designed. Um, and we've never strayed from that. I have to touch on that because when the decision was made, um, we never received notification as to why our particular bid didn't stand up. We asked confirmation in writing, we asked confirmation verbally, uh, and unfortunately New Zealand rugby um, representatives kept pushing our meetings back where we were asking to obviously get an understanding of where we might have fell short. Now what we've come to realise in the last couple of weeks, actually last week, uh, was that New Zealand rugby felt that our business model um, wouldn't stand up. They had no concerns about our facilities. They had no concerns about our player roster. They put it down to one thing, and that was our financial model being viable. Unfortunately, though, we challenged New Zealand Rugby on that because actually after the 30th of September decision where they said no Pacifica team for 2021, uh, the very next day, actually, on the 1st of October, we got a phone call from the chair, uh, Brent Impey, and he actually asked if we would like to go into a partnership deal to see if we can secure a package investor who would take care of minor shares for the Blues, minor shares for the Chiefs, and the same investor was interested in taking majority shares in a Pacifica team. Now, at the time, I raised my concerns about the fact that that was not New Zealand Rugby's mandate to be floating the idea of selling a, uh, you know, shares in a Pacifica team, and I queried um, their intent at that stage right there and then. Now, the only option that New Zealand Rugby had was to engage in a professional relationship with an organisation that was already stood up to take on this type of uh, corporate structure, and that was kind of law Pacifica. Through our, obviously, through our capital raising partners, uh, PwC, we engaged in that formally process with uh, Nikki Nickel and Brent Impey, and um, we provided an NDA, which was, you know, for their investor group who was interested in a package deal. And that we have in writing from Nikki Nickel to show that we are actually very viable and um, our, value, our value proposition should never have been, you know, it should never have been declined in the first place. So, you know, this is this all adds to the frustrations that we have around the process. You know, the um, the ethics involved with Moana Pacifica Group being stood up by New Zealand Rugby, New Zealand Rugby Players Association, <laughs> the very fact that they have board members in that group who denied being part of the group in the first instance, and we've learned, um, obviously, that's not the case. Um, you know, if, this, if, if, New, if Brent Impey rang you on that day after and, and put that offer to you, um, what, what, why do you think they did that then if, if Moana Pacifica was seemingly their, their, their preferred option all along? Why would they go to the through the rigmarole or effort of sort of, I guess, dragging you guys in or, you know, sort of thing, do you think? This is a great question, a question that we hope people can stand up and ask New Zealand Rugby, New Zealand Rugby Players Association and Moana Pacifica because we certainly do not understand why any group that has come through a formal process, come out the other end, and then re-engaged, being re-engaged, I should say, in the process. Um, and it was really clear in that engagement that they would be continuing with the tender process rules and regulations. I've got that in writing from Nigel Kess. So this whole three-week period following the announcement on the 30th of September, their engagement with us has been under the terms of the tender process. And that's why this has been such a shocking... Um, you know, revelation for, for Kanaloa Pacifica. That's Kanaloa Pacifica CEO Tracy Artinger. Samoa and Tonga will square off this weekend for a place in the final Women's Rugby World Cup Repercharge Tournament. The match is part of a triple header, including the first of two games between the world champion Black Ferns and a Barbarians team. 
RNZ Pacific sports reporter Tale Anderson has been in touch with both the Samoa and Tonga camps ahead of Saturday's clash. And Tale, how, how are they shaping up? The mood for Samoa at the moment is that they're just kind of really excited to finally get the opportunity to play this game because it's been you know, a really long year for them. I think it was a year ago when they played Fiji and then initially they were meant to play Tonga in March uh, in Samoa, but obviously COVID hit. So now just to have that date, um, yeah, the, the game's this weekend, so they're just really excited to just finally get on the field and get it over with, really. Because they would have, a year ago, they went over to Fiji and they would have been thinking, well, I, you know, perfect scenario, we win the tournament, we're in the World Cup. Worst case scenario, we come second maybe and, and we go to this, this playoff tournament, this final repercharge, but of course... You know, we all talk about COVID, but but back then it was the measles that had just happened. The, the Tongan team ended up having to pull out of the tournament. So we've got this bizarre scenario where Samoa, through no fault of their own, have had to wait. And, you know, here we are a year later. Yeah, Ramsey, the head coach Ramsey uh, spoke about that, but he, it just kind of felt like it is what it is for him. Um, it's just another obstacle, really. Um yeah, it wasn't. He didn't reflect too much on it. He just kind of thought, well, this is what they've been given. This is what they need to do, and this is just what they have to do. Yeah, they just have to play Tonga to get to that next level. So he didn't dwell too much on the fact that they have to play Tonga to get to that recharge match. It's just another another obstacle that they have to prove that they can do and to win against Tonga to get to that recharge tournament. Yeah, and, and there's no shortage of motivation for this Manusena team, especially they've been to three women's rugby world cups before most recently in 2014 uh three years ago they they were denied the opportunity to even qualify for the world cup uh because uh some tight regulations that there wasn't at that time a local women's competition running in samoa even though they were you know by far had the best record in the pacific and in the history of being the dominant uh, women's national team uh, and you know since then they've got a local competition and now They've got that opportunity again. So, um, you know, that and the fact that the late, um, you know, Peter Fadialofa was, um, you know, one of the former coaches and, and there was a lot of, um, you know, emotion around their last World Cup appearance because of that and his passing, um, you know, seven years ago, I, I believe it was. And um, so to get back to that summit and that tournament that's in New Zealand too, which is like a, a second home, I, I imagine there is... Well, is there is there, is there that motivation? Can you sense that that real drive to to get back to that world stage? Yeah, absolutely. I know uh, Ramsey was saying it's kind of like five years in the making for this team. Um, they want to prove a point. They they know that they're good enough to be at the World Cup. So there's plenty of motivation for them um, to win that game this weekend. There's also uh, a lot of new deputants who are going to play again this weekend as well. Um, and there's also I think about. Five, five or six who played in the last um, World Cup, I believe, um, who he says are really important to have in this camp as well because, you know, they know what it's like. They really want this. They're hungry for it, and that kind of motivates the younger girls as well. You know, so I, plenty of motivation. Um, yeah, and they're all really looking forward to this game this weekend. Indeed, and, and, and both teams, uh, you know, you've touched on COVID, like just with everything that has happened and, you know, only in the last, you know, 24 or 48 hours, um, you know, the final few Six Nations women's matches over in the UK, Europe, uh, have been cancelled because of COVID issues. So so the fact that these, this game can even happen on Saturday in Auckland uh, in itself is, you know, something to be grateful for. 
Yeah, they're really grateful. And I think they're more grateful as well that they're able to play in front of their families because this team has never been able to play in front of their families before. So there's a lot of... Um, even Ramsey got quite emotional about it when he started talking about some of the women who have had to leave and haven't played in front of their family, their children. And I expect all of them are going to be there at the game um, on Saturday. So, yeah, there's a lot of excited families that will be there on Saturday. Um, every, everyone's really pumped that they're going to see their, their mums, their sisters, their daughters playing in New Zealand and in front of their families. So it's, it's really exciting. Indeed, and some fascinating stories within that too. The likes of Aishali Smalley, you know, a week ago she played for the Samoa, Fetu Samoa uh, rugby league team against the Kiwi Ferns, uh, previously having represented New Zealand in league, and, and now she's going to find herself representing Samoa in rugby, and you know she's not the only one, and, and some other interesting sort of um, you know people too that have uh, you know interesting stories about how they've got to where they are. Yeah, I think there's about four players that played in their uh, Fetu Samoa team on the weekend, and then obviously they've they've gained some momentum because they also played in the uh, NZRL Women's Comp the week prior. Um, and then we've got, I think also on this team, they've got a first player to be capped from Northland, a first player to be capped from Tasman. Um, and there's also a former, a daughter of a former Manusina player. And that's a first for the team. A lot of firsts. I think there's the first time they've got four uh, former Manusina players in the management team. So... There's a, yeah, there's a lot going on. There's yeah, a lot going on in this team this year. Yeah, and for Tonga, um, they've obviously gone into camp as well. They had the, you know, the misfortune last year of going over to Fiji and then having to quarantine because of the measles uh, risk, and, and then they couldn't even play. They got given a lifeline. They, they went over and beat Papua New Guinea back in March, which feels like forever ago, um, to, to, to qualify for this game. And... Um, so to to have that opportunity, that second chance, and finally get to this point, I imagine for them too, is uh, something that they'd be looking forward to. Yeah, they're very much looking forward to it. It's been, like we spoke about the journey for Samoa, but it's been just as much of a journey as it has been for, yeah, for Samoa, for Tonga. Obviously with the measles, um, again, even when they went to that, played that game in Papua New Guinea in March, uh, they had the whole uh, restrictions travelling over. Um, they had issues with their passports and then COVID. It was just a crazy time, so a very long journey for them as well. And now, so they're obviously really excited for the game as well this weekend. Um, just to, just knowing that the game is set, it's in New Zealand, um, yeah, we can't expect to be going down in lockdown anytime soon. So, yeah, the game's all go. Indeed, and it wasn't that long ago, of course, in Tonga that, you know, women were briefly banned from, from playing rugby in schools as well. So, um you know, it just shows you how, how how quick things can progress, and um, you know how far people have come, and the sort of adversity they've had to overcome. Um, the other complication, I guess, Tale, is that this game is happening on Saturday. That's fantastic. Of course, it's all New Zealand-based players because of COVID. Um, but even the winning team doesn't quite know what's going to happen yet, right? Because the World Cup is next year in New Zealand, but with so much uncertainty, there's a final qualification tournament to take part in. But you know, some of those other regions of the world haven't yet qualified for that tournament and it's very unclear when that will be possible and, and then if all of the qualified teams can, can make it to New Zealand. Yeah, I guess Ramsey did touch on that. Um, he wasn't surprised, obviously, with the year that we've had uh, with COVID, but he kind of just saw it as uh, it's another, just another, what do you call it, like just another obstacle again. 
Um, they've just been through so much. So to hear that those uh, the European comp has been postponed, it wasn't a surprise for him. But he's still hoping that, uh, yeah, we will see the teams or see the World Cup happening in New Zealand. So he's still very optimistic about that happening and optimistic that Samoa will be there as well. I was speaking there with RNZ Pacific sports reporter Tyler Anderson. The next edition of the AFL International Cup has been cancelled because of the continuing uncertainty around international travel. The triennial event was originally scheduled to take place this year on the Sunshine Coast, but was postponed until mid-2021 because of COVID-19, before eventually being cancelled. Papua New Guinea are the defending men's champions and have won three of the six International Cup events. The AFL's development manager for the South Pacific, Ben Drew, says it's the right call. Too much uncertainty, isn't there? So it's sort of the guys in head office probably made a good decision and just to, you know, postpone it till we get some more clarity and around the world, everyone's safe and healthy and everything's opened up again. So health comes first, doesn't it? In terms of the domestic programs back in the likes of Papua New Guinea, Nauru, etc., um, what sort of competitions are they able to play at home at the moment without, obviously, international opportunity? Each country's different. Well, each affiliate works closely with their governments, you know, adhere to the protocols for their sport being able to be played. So Nauru's been relatively lucky. Uh, they've been able to play, finish their men's competition, and now they're in the middle of their women's competition and the juniors. So that's been really good for them. Uh, PNG had a few months off working closely with the Sports Foundation and the Ministry of Health and really trying to work through their factor sport protocols. We've only recently just started some games in Port Moresby, and in terms of everywhere else, there's still some pretty big restrictions on what they can and can't do. Same in Fiji and same everywhere else. Uh, Vanuatu has been relatively good. They've been able to get back pretty quickly and they've been doing some wonderful things over there. So in terms of the International Cup, it's obviously a triennial event anyway. Um, was already delayed until next year. So at this stage, I guess it's you know early days, but 2022 is, is what you guys are hoping for? Until the working committee gets together and has a discussion, I announced today that we're going to have a review mid-next year and then come up with a decision then. So who knows, 2022, 2023, it all hopefully by mid-year we would know what the outcome of that is, but it probably gives them a bit more time to understand what's happening around the world and, and how the world's combating it as well. So just to make sure every country can make it and wants to come. Indeed. And in terms of the development of the sporting areas like the South Pacific, um, how has that been affected by COVID? I mean, not just competitions shutting down. I mean, obviously you, you think about talent scouting or junior programs, etc., and various opportunities. How, how has it caused you guys to change what you do? It's not a great thing that COVID virus has hit, and the South Pacific largely has been relatively untouched by the virus, but there's always still the threat. So for our countries, they've worked mostly with their ministries and their and what they need to do and they've done a wonderful job in being able to get back to some of their programs. They've really focused on their development and their junior programs around the Auskick. You know, passing that competitions haven't been running. Probably helps them, you know, they obviously want to take attendance sheets and making sure their protocols are up to speed, they're sanitising all, you know, they're staying fit and healthy and they've actually taken it on board to try and spread that message as well, which is which has really been wonderful and worked with the relevant health authorities there in their countries. That's the AFL Development Manager for the South Pacific, Ben Drew. And that's the World in Sport for this week. For more, head to our website, rnzi.com.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.